You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. The Yankees are still waiting to make their first major move in the hot stove season as they've seen their ancient rivals make two major moves to their roster already. Matt Waymeyer with the Yankees reporter Brian Hoke. And Brian, thank you for the time as we speak here on a Wednesday afternoon. And Brian, you know, to talk about the Red Sox and Yankees dynamic, if you will, it's not, you know, the rivalry is not what it was in 2003 and 2004. It's not that kind of animosity anymore. But is there still a sense that, you know, back in those days, if the Red Sox made a move, you know, the Yankees would counter and vice versa. Is there still some of that that exists where Brian Cashman sees what Dave Dombrowski is doing, first with uh, Craig Kimbrell, now with David Price, and is there a little more pressure right now on Brian Cashman, or does that really not factor in like it used to about a decade ago? Well, the first thing I have to say is 2003 and 2004, those were special times for the rivalry. I I don't know if there was ever a time where it was as intense as uh, you saw then, but uh, things have changed. Yeah, you're right. Um, Look, George Steinbrenner is not around anymore. George would have been the... uh, impetuous one who would demand to, to answer or counter a move, and sometimes that didn't work out so well. I remember the Yankees' answer to Daisuke Matsuzaka was to sign Keigawa, and it was a disaster. So um, maybe it's for the better that those things don't happen anymore. But uh, to answer your question, I, I see the Yankees sticking to their game plan here. I think that they knew the Red Sox were in a position where they were going to spend some money. Uh, Look, they, they finished last, and, and those are big moves now to get Kimbrell and Price, and you're going to have to stare at David Price again um, several times. They're going to meet 18, 19 times next year. Uh, but in the Yankees' situation, they only had $12 million come off the payroll, so I, I feel like we're going to repeat what we've been saying and, and say if the Yankees can clear some of that payroll space that they have. Um, you've heard Hal Steinbrenner say so many times they shouldn't need a $200 million payroll to win the World Series. They're going to have one this coming year. Uh, if they can move a guy like, say, a Brett Gardner and Andrew Miller, uh, that's why you hear these guys in trade talks because that's really one of the only ways that they can clear some space to go after big-name free agents. So uh, I don't see the Yankees chasing, say, Zach Greinke to, to answer David Price. I think that uh, the Yankees have their game plan, and it's independent of what the Red Sox do and obviously uh, did now with David Price. And uh, to elaborate on that game plan a little bit, Brian, of course, the winter meetings are coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, December 7th through the 10th. And uh, let's get in the head here of Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman. What is on their agenda? What are their top priorities? And what do they want to accomplish down in Nashville? Yeah, well, they've already made one minor move. They picked up Aaron Hicks, who's going to, at at worst, he'll be their fourth outfielder. And at best, uh, maybe he plays a starting role. Uh, the Yankees certainly think he could. And what they did there was they traded from a position of strength. They were rich in the catching department. They gave up John Ryan Murphy, who was a backup to Brian McCann. Uh, he's going to get a chance to start in Minnesota. So I think that, that's a good indication of where the Yankees are. They, they've got feelers out on a lot of players. They've been getting hits on a lot of their players. Um, so far, nothing other than the Hicks move has really blown their doors off and, and made them want to make a move, but they're listening. So 
I, I think that if you look back to last year when the Yankees traded for Didi Gregorius, when the Yankees traded for Nathan Navaldi, those, those are the kind of players that they really are hungry to get right now. And uh, the players who have fallen out of favor for one reason or another with the current team but could be taking a big step. So that's what they think they're going to have with Hicks. But I think that they're still listening on Gardner. They're listening on Andrew Miller. They're listening on Ivan Nova, for example, just to name a few names. But remember last year offseason, the Yankees went in and they weren't intending to trade, say, Martin Prado. Uh, he, he moved because Evaldi was dangled out there. So they weren't intending to t- trade Shane Green, uh, young, under-control pitcher. He went because Gregorius was out there. So I, I think that if situations like that are going to happen, and I know that the Yankees have checked in with the Braves on Shelby Miller, um, the asking price is a little too high right now. They don't want to give up Luis Severino. Um, can't blame him for that. But I think... The trade market is the way that the Yankees are, are listening and leaning right now, and um, unless they do complete a big trade, I, I don't see them signing a big free agent at the winter meetings. And, Brian, you mentioned uh, the Aaron Hicks and Brett Gardner dynamic. I remember when the when the Hicks deal uh, became official, a lot of speculation at that time that uh, Brett Gardner was not going to be very much longer uh, for the Bronx, and people even suspected that uh, this was the precursor to a blockbuster involving Jacoby Ellsbury. There was a lot of buzz, a lot of talk for at least a couple of days. That's really died down. And, you know, you said that teams are listening on offers for Gardner. Do you still see something happening with either him or Ellsbury in light of the team acquiring Aaron Hicks? I really wouldn't be shocked if Gardner and Ellsbury are in left field and center field on opening day. Um, I, I really think that the Yankees are in a position of strength here where they don't have to move either guy. Uh, look, there was a reason that they gave Gardner a big contract extension and then signed Ellsbury to the big deal. They they really did like the idea of having those guys one two in the order and and being pests on the base pass and running down balls in in the left center field gap, which is big at Yankee Stadium. Uh, there was a lot of thought that went into that move. So I think to to just look at it here and say, well, you know, Ellsbury was hurt a little bit and uh, uh, Gardner tailed off in the second half, so let's tear it down and, and start over. Um, they don't have to do that. They don't have to. It's one way that they could go. And uh, if you want to tell me that they should go sign Jason Hayward or somebody like that, I, I'm listening. Justin Upton, sure, I'm listening. Um, but I, I think that there's a situation where the Yankees have very few needs um, as far as they outline it right now. They, they would love a starting pitcher. They'd love to upgrade the bullpen. And if they could, they'd like to upgrade a second base over Dustin Ackley and Rob Refsnyder. Now, dangling Gardner and Dangling Gardner and, and Andrew Miller might be a way to do that. I don't think Ellsbury is going anywhere because of the no-trade clause. But um, if they can answer one of those problems by, say, moving Gardner, I think they would. But I don't think they have to. And you brought up second base. Uh, that is a glaring need uh, for the Yankees uh, when you look up and down that lineup and in that infield. Uh, right now it's, like you said, Rhett Snyder. Uh, Steven Drew is still in the mix. But, of course, the big name out there that uh, everybody is chasing that needs a second baseman or just a baseball Swiss Army knife, if you will. Ben Zobrist, of course, uh, entering his age 35 season, but the guy is still so consistent and uh, really played up his worth and his value in the World Series and the entire postseason uh, with the Kansas City Royals. Uh, How badly do the Yankees want Zobrist? I know there's competition between themselves and uh, the Crosstown Mets and the Nationals in the second baseman, too. What is the, uh, the possibility that we see Zobrist in pinstripes next year? You know, it's funny. We haven't heard too much about it, and I, I suspect that the reason is 
because of what you mentioned. He's he's 35 and probably going to get about a four-year deal, and the Yankees are still trying to dig out from these contracts to guys like Mark Teixeira and A-Rod and CeCe Sabathia and Carlos Beltran. Um, it, these guys all have a lot in common there financially with, with Ben Zobrist and what he would bring, and it kind of locks them in at a time where the Yankees are thinking now, Maybe they can get by with a platoon of Ackley and Ref Snyder. I mean, offensively, it, it couldn't possibly be worse than what they got out of Stephen Drew last year. Um, so that's one option to, to do, and they have a shortstop prospect coming up through the system, Jorge Mateo, who they're very high on. And I think that, in theory, you could move Mateo to second base, and he could be your second baseman of the future. But uh, the Yankees have been looking for an answer here ever since Robinson Cano went to Seattle. Brian Roberts wasn't the answer. Stephen Drew wasn't the answer. And... And maybe you just plug it in from in-house here and, and see if you can get by, or maybe you go out and get a guy a little cheaper than Zobris, for example, maybe a Howie Kendrick who can hit left-handed pitching. I mean, that's, that's another way they could go. Uh, but I think that if they had to go with what they have in-house right now, I think they could get by with that. I think that Ackley and Russ Knight are going to hit enough, and I, I'm not sure if they're going to field enough, but uh, like I said, they should be able to more than make up what Stephen Drew was providing with the bat last year. Yeah, I definitely want to get your thoughts, too, on the, the youth movement uh, with the Yankees, uh, two words that have rarely been associated with the Yankees baseball the past you know couple decades or so, really. But you look at uh, what they've got waiting in the wings. You brought up Mateo. They've got Aaron Judge. They've got Gary Sanchez and the minors, too. Now, we saw last year they promote Luis Severino, who you touched on a little bit. Greg Bird, as well, was uh, terrific when Mark Teixeira went down and got hurt. What do you see the Yankees? Uh, what kind of path do you see them going down? Are they going to continue – to put their faith in the kids, if you will, or if a, if a deal comes across their plate, say at the winter meetings or at any point this winter, would they be willing to part ways with guys like Mateo and, and Sanchez and Judge? What do you think they'll do here? Well, I think Cashman made it pretty clear at the trade deadline last year that he intended to hang on to those guys. I mean, he said he was getting hits on Bird, Severino, Judge, Mateo, and those were the four that he absolutely positively would not talk about. I think that Toward the end, he did back off a little bit on Mateo. He would have moved him for Craig Kimbrell if the Yankees could have got him. So, uh, you know, some players are more touchable than others, but the Yankees don't really have untouchables at this point. I think that what Hal Steinbrenner has talked about so much, and we go back to the financial part here, um, they want to get that payroll lower. They don't want to be the, the Yankees that spend $250, $300 million. They, they don't want to go be the Dodgers. Uh, they think that there's a smarter way to do this, and I think that – if they do follow through with that and continue building the core, you could have the makings of another core four, so to speak, coming up. And um, you know, it, it, those Derek Jeter, Jorge Posada, Bernie Williams, Mariano Rivera—they uh, don't come around very often. I think that it was pretty special while it was happening. Andy Pettit belongs in that mix too. Um, you're not going to replicate that very often, but. If you have a chance to even get a, a core two or a core three, I, I think that's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty good head start to build around. And then, like I said, you can plug in some of the holes with free agency uh, when you get those contracts like the Teixeira and the A-Rod and Sabathia uh, coming off the books in the next two years. Yeah, I don't think Yankee fans would mind uh, core four, the sequel, if you will, uh, for 2016 uh, and beyond. We'll see what, uh, what happens there. There's there certainly the, the talent at the minor league level to make that a possibility. Uh, we'll see what path the Yankees go down. And, uh, Brian, just to wrap up here, uh, if you had the power to make one move 
uh, via free agency, via the trade markets, uh, that you'd like to see the Yankees execute at some point this hot stove season that would make sense, what would it be for them? Well, can I sign myself to like a $100 million? Sure. Concert? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Can I have some of that money? Well, you know, I'm <laughs> terrible in the outfield. I've got no speed and uh, I don't throw very well, but I, I will cash a paycheck. There um, you go. <laughs> I, I think that if the Yankees can make one move this offseason, they really need to bolster that, that starting pitching. I think that it worries me, uh, it would worry me, if I were the Yankees, about the health of guys like Masahiro Tanaka and Michael Pineda and CeCe Sabathia seemed okay once he got the knee brace figured out and he was extending over the mound again, but you don't really know what he's going to be there. And uh, They just have so many question marks in the starting rotation that even if you're not going to – obviously they're not going to get David Price. Uh, I don't think they're going to get Zach Greinke, but uh, you look at that second tier of guys like Wei-Yin Chen and uh, Jeff Samarja, and, and I think you have to kind of think about that a little bit. Um, I, I think that you see what Jordan Zimmerman got from Detroit – Five years, 110. Uh, that's pretty pricey. I, I think that if the Yankees can come in underneath that and still add something to the starting pitching, um, I, I know they've got eight guys to fit into five right now, but uh, that, as we've seen the last few years, that can be pretty fragile. So I think that if they can do one thing, they should upgrade the starting pitching. MLB.com Yankees reporter Brian Hoke. Brian, it's always a pleasure. Enjoy your time in Nashville, and we'll talk soon. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Championship team. 